to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. Welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to disaster recovery, business continuity, anything that can help you, your organization, or your community prepare for, respond to, and overcome adverse situations. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can find me on LinkedIn. I am the only Alex Fullick there. I'm really easy to find, and I do respond to everything I get. Today, we are going to talk about executive support and buy-in for our resilience and continuity and you know our other programs. Um, last month in June 2023, I was fortunate enough to be a part of a webinar. I was a moderator, and one of our panelists is my guest today. I'd like to welcome today the National Director of Business Continuity at Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits, Mr. John Luizzi. John, welcome to the show. Alex, how are you doing today? Good pleasure, I'm pleasure great. being here. I really, I'm really honored to be part of your your great show. So thank you very much for the invitation today. Oh, I'm glad to have you here, and uh, I love your background. You know that uh, nice beach <laughs> that you've got behind you. you know, people on the radio won't be able to see that, but uh, you know that's a real nice scene. Oh, well, we, we we try we try to relax as we're as we're executing our programs. So a little beach seat kind of helps, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So, so. yeah. Now, I introduced you as the National Director of Business Continuity, but could you take a minute or two and tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and how you got into what you do? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Yeah, so I am, like I say, the National Director of Business Continuity, so I'm responsible for overall continuity of operations for the organization, which include crisis management, emergency management, as well as business continuity, obviously working with all of our safety, security stakeholders to ensure uh, the organization, resiliency of the organization. So it's everything that could essentially, if something ha- bad happens to the organization, it's it's my job to figure out how to get us through that. It's essentially what it is associated with continuity of operations. And as you know, it's a 24-7 business, and mm-hmm. which is who we are. And I'm really, really proud about what we've, what we've accomplished over the last, and the program is about 10 years old, just so you know, I was brought on and initially started the program about 10 years ago. So and it's been one of the most fabulous experiences. I have one of the best business continuity jobs in the world. I will tell you that it really is amazing. The leadership, the executive support of this company. Obviously, what we do is a lot of fun. We have a lot of associated with uh, our business business model and business practices and things like that. But it's been uh, the 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 amount of support that we've been given, not only from a you know, program support overall, you know, that type of thing. But it's also about the resources that they've provided. I have I have a, a staff of five of the top business continuity professionals that you could ever, ever want to meet uh, collectively. If you added up all of our experience, we have over 150 years of experience just amongst our team in business continuity. So, wow. and then you look at our, te- I, have, I have a state-of-the-art technology bag. I have all the best toys in the market associated with execution of business continuity. So, it's really been a fabulous success story for this organization. And obviously what we do, we are the leader, essentially the most preeminent world distributor of wine and spirits. So it's a very, very proud heritage of the company. And I'm completely honored and humbled to be able to lead this organization as far as the business continuity program is concerned. So it's been a lot of fun. It's been a great challenge. And how I got here, it's been, uh, you know, prior to this, I served as a a congressional appointee for for 12 years to the IRS associated with that. And one of my responsibilities was business continuity, continuity of operations, disaster recovery for that organization. So, uh, and I had that whole national national perspective associated with uh, developing programs and plans and strategies associated with such an incredibly large organization like that and being part of the the government and understanding all those principles and practices and things like that associated with that and guidelines and standards and being involved in that was really just an incredible learning experience for me. And then, you know, prior to that, I had a lot of experience in not only continuity, but a lot of it was focused on, you know, call center operations and that type of thing, customer service mm-hmm. operations. So when kind of bred through all those type of things, but uh, 
I, I, I can tell you right now, I've been I've been fortunate to be in so many great places with so many great people, and hence the reason I'm sitting here talking to you today. So, well, I'm glad to have you here. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, some of your secrets when it comes to support <laughs> and buy-in. <laughs> so that leads me to my first question. Sure. Why is buy-in and support so important for our resilience or business continuity or disaster planning, whatever you want to call it? Why is that so important? I think support is, you know, executive support, executive affirmation of what you're doing is important for any role and responsibility. But, you know, for business continuity, you know, you're dealing with such, you know, the critical assets of the company, the reputation of the company, the people of the company, right? The safety, the security of the people and the execution of the business. I mean, the viability of the business. I mean, all of those things are essential to what leaders in an organization are trying to maintain on a day-to-day basis, right? And you being that person, that go-to person for them that can help them manage the challenges and see all those things from a risk manager perspective and guide them through those things, that is an, an invaluable person to have at your side to be able to guide you through so I can still continue to make decisions, for, you know, building our business, but knowing that somebody, somebody's got our back. Somebody is actually watching out for all the risks, the challenges, the threats that are potentially impacting our organization and when something does happen, guess what? He's going to take care of it. He's going to manage it. We have the confidence in his ability. So having that buy-in, having that understanding of what my role is and being able to provide me with the tools and the support is essential for me to be able to provide that service to them so they can continue to execute and grow the business. So. It seems so logical. But yet, um, as we, we spoke before we started recording, that so many people have a challenge trying to get that buy-in and support. Why is that? I think it's really about the delivery, to be quite frank with you, about how they execute their programs and how they deliver their programs. I mean, and I look at this from a, I go back to, since I've been doing this for for over 25 or 30 years, right? Um, A lot of folks are still stuck in what I would call in the September 11th model of of business continuity, because that's when it really kind of hit its watershed event, right? Everybody kind of got on board with it and tried to understood it. And if you remember back then, everybody was kind of running to conferences, trying to figure out what RTOs are and RPOs and all these other fundamental things about business continuity, because we were all learning about how to develop these programs, mm-hmm. right? So we were very much about admin- in, in administration, very much about compliance. We were very much about fill out the template. I mean, that, that's the way that the programs were executed back then. It was about collecting data, but not really interpreting it yeah. and Programs really didn't have an agenda or a roadmap. It was just about data collection. There was no way to measure it. There was no measurement there. Business continuity, disaster recovery, emergency management, they were all separate things. And, 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 they, and, and they never met associated with that. So there was this, you know, essentially the way that those programs were executed were very singular in nature, very silent in nature. Now, if you look at the way that business people look at this now, essentially, is that they get it. They really do. I've talked to so many executives and so many organizations. They absolutely positively get it. What's happened is, is that the way that we deliver those programs is very antiquated, right? So we really need to be business partners now, which means you need to understand your business. Not necessarily, I, I understand business continuity, but guess what? What's more important for my, my leadership to pe- team to know is I know exactly how many cases I'm delivering out of a certain particular location tonight. What's the business, what's the business metrics, right? What's the ebb and flow of the business? I need to be able to understand that because if I can do that, I can talk in the same language that they do and I can present the the challenges of my program or or the findings or anything else I'm doing in terms that they understand associated with actually executing the business. So that's what that's the transition that we have to make. And we have to be able to provide not only that, but it's also about executing the program now because the programs are now different than they were back for then. Back then, it was about just collecting data and filling in the template. It was more about a compliance and administrative thing. Now, our role is more of a business partner, and we have to step up for that. And that's not an easy role, to be honest with you. But the idea is that you know we have to be focusing on not – it's not collecting the data. It's interpreting the data. And understanding what, how that data impacts your program, because now we're getting bombarded with data from all kinds of sources, especially risk data that's coming into our organizations. And we need to be able to kind of interpret that to figure out, hey, is this is this applicable to us? Is the way I have to act on this type of thing? And the other thing, you know, so, so situational awareness is a really, really big, big topic. And one of the big success successes that we've had here is because I keep my executives 
engage and understanding of anything around situation where something is happening to our organization and over nationwide throughout the world, our supply chain. It's my job. They want to hear it from me. They don't want to hear it from CNN. They want to hear it from me associated with, okay, John, what just happened and what are we going to do about it? What's our plan for it? How is it impacting us, right? So those are the things that, you know, it's not just about, you know, back then, a lot of a lot of folks, a lot of continuity people are still in this RTO, RPO collection of data, fill out this template, send me the spreadsheet type of a thing. That's not, that's the reason why there's a disconnect because that's a very compliance model. What you want to try to get to is, 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 is establishing your value because now it's about interpreting data. It's about situation awareness. It's about understanding the metrics of the business, what drives the business, what drives the profit, what drives the people, what drives that type of thing. And, and, and how do you measure those type of things? I mean, there's, you know, how do you, how do you show progress? One of the, one of the, one of the most effective things in, and, and that I have provided my, my leadership team is a really, really simple metric. And it's about corrective actions because we know stuff's going to happen to us, right? But, but what are we doing about it, John? If we can show progress on how we're correcting things, that to them is like the hugest thing associated with being able to show value of the program. We're fixing things that are moving us forward, that are getting us better. It's not about how many systems have five RTO, RTO of this and RTO. No, that's not it. you got to become more of a business person. Those things are important to have for you to drive your program. But when you work with leadership teams, you need to understand the metrics of the business and how your program can help drive those metrics. Uh, John, I have so many questions. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I, I will say right off the bat, um, I remember the uh, September 1, uh, well, not just the event, but sure. what happened in our industry after the fact. Um, but I also uh, remember what happened uh, just over a year and a half before that, which was Y2K. And I started a few years Definitely. before Y2K when nothing happened. So everybody just kind of uh, forgot about it and just said, oh, well, then it's you know business continuity. We did all that work and nothing happened. So you know, why should we worry about it now? And then September 11th came along and obviously, oh, this is why we need to worry about it. So that did start to change because I filled up so many templates myself. There you go. There you go. I mean, <laughs> it was it was administrative in nature. Now we are we we are different. People understand what business continuity is no longer a foreign term anymore. It's a common mm-hmm. business term, right? So what does that role mean for everybody? And, and, and so you need to understand that as being uh, establishing yourself as learning the business, as being a business partner associated with that, not necessarily, you know, essentially what's going to be looked at as a very much of a compliance and check the box type of a thing. It's it's if you really want that executive buy in, you have to become one of them and, and be, have a seat at the table by talking about the business and understanding the business. So how do you go about changing that then? Let's say see we're off script already. How do you go about changing that? If you do have a program, you're struggling with trying to get buy-in, but you are, for the, I don't like saying this, but you're ticking the boxes, you're getting everything done, you've got the knowledge, but you still can't get that buy-in. How do you switch to speak the language of the business, of the executives? How do you go about doing that? What are you know, the- that- that just becomes learning, you know, that becomes exposing yourself to the business from a, from a, from a metrics perspective. One of the things, what, what's the dashboard that my boss is looking at every day that helps drive him as far as what decisions are concerned. And then for me to understand, okay, where, can, where how do I, how do I impact the in, impact that dashboard? Right. Right. It's, it's, and the other thing about it that that's really important that a lot of folks miss is the fact that, I can't be the only one in this organization that's talking about business continuity. So I, I call it my village, right? So what I need to do is rally all the different organ parts of your functional organization and communicate with them and work with them and understand so that I'm not the only one that's pushing a rock up a hill from a business continuity perspective. If if I can create this swell associated with that or this, what I would what I call buzz associated with business continuity and more than one person is talking about it, guess what? Everybody's got to pay attention to it. So, so it's not only about me just interfacing with the leadership team. It's also about me and all my functional area process owners and other people that I interface with on a day-to-day basis. They also need to be equipped to become ambassadors of the program so that they're all communicating associated with what we're doing, trying to do a business continuity. So it becomes more of a, 
like I say, a more of a more of a crowdsourcing associated with business counseling, not necessarily the four or five people that potentially are are charged to drive the program nationally. So, so that's a really big part of it is understanding, you know, building that village because that helps you build the culture of the organization. But the idea is the fact is that I'm not the only one that's working on business content because I've, I've been able to rally all these other functional areas to be talking the same language that I am, as well as being able to promote the goals of the program. So is it as easy as just reaching out to vice presidents, directors, managers, whoever, and just having a conversation? Well, yeah, I mean, what it is, is, is you know, and, and a big part of business continuity is outreach and awareness, right? So you have to be able to continually promote your program. And that is, there's so many ways of doing that, you know, whether it's, you know, you know, monthly newsletters or even just, you know, when incidents happen, when, when incidents happen in this organization, or even when we have near misses, guess what? I let everybody in the leadership team know what's going on, right? So, so because, you know, when you look at near misses, it's like, well, there may be a near miss. We may get lucky, but guess what? Maybe we did something to impact the fact that it was a near miss. Maybe that maybe some of the resiliency things we put in place. So let's take credit for those type of thing. Let's not avoid them because they were mere miss, right? right. So uh, a big part of what we try to do is situational awareness, making sure that our organization understands exactly what is happening around us. And that helps, you know, build buy-in. But the other thing is that, you know, as far as our outreach and awareness for all of our programs and our engagement, it's constant being and working with all the subject matter experts and stakeholders and being able to promote business continuity from not only perspective of, of you know, the continuity process of operating, but it's also about all of our emergency management stuff as well. Like, like for example, you know, we have a, a national noti- we have a notification system, right? We actually branded it. It actually has its own brand, its own identity within the company. So everybody knows what it is when it when it when it shows up on your phone, it, it pops up with the actual name of the company and it shows up with, you know, the logo and things like that. So it's things like that that we've kind of put in place from an execution perspective that gives more and more awareness, which is right in front of you that you see that that essentially helps us drive exactly what our program objectives are. And there's there's so many ways of doing that in, in our program and you know, it's just like every year when, okay, beginning at hurricane season on June 1st, guess what? I gave an a, entire national briefing, the entire organization. This is hurricane season. This is what we're doing. This is what we did last year, how we responded. This is what's new for this year. So you have to be able to look for those opportunities and take advantage of those opportunities to be able to promote your program. So I, I like what you mentioned there uh, about um, uh, near misses as well. Um because I guess we could also communicate, you know, we had a near miss with this hurricane. Okay, fine, great, wonderful. You know, we didn't get hit by it. This is what would have happened if we had been hit. And this is what we had in place to create that near miss. Oh, wow. You know, then, hey, I'm not going to take any resources away from John because he just saved us, you know, $5 million. Right. <laughs> right. Well, the other thing is that we also look at from other 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 companies that are impacted, right? So uh, you've seen companies, you know, in the news hit by ransomware. Um, a number of large companies have lost warehouses in the last year or so. Either they've been hit by tornadoes or they had fires and things like that. I look at those as lessons learned. And I say, okay, what happened? What did they do right? What did they do wrong? How, what, what can I bring back into my organization? But I make my organization aware of the fact that, hey, guess what? This company had a had a warehouse fire. This is what happened. This is what they did. This is this is what we would have done, right? It's almost like taking it from right off of the headlines and saying, okay, what would we have done in that situation, right? So you don't have to wait for stuff to happen to you to order to be able to promote your program. You know, look at what else is going on in the world and say, okay, how would we respond given that situation were to occur to to us at us? How do you get that information up though to decision makers? Because many of us in the industry, you know, and I'm sure you were one at one time. You know, you're way down on the totem pole. How do you get that message up so that people can really, you know, the decision makers take notice of that? Because that's one of the challenges that I think many people have that by the, they try to send these messages up, but it gets so diluted going through their manager and their VP or whoever that by the time it gets to where you want that message to, to really be noticed, it doesn't really say what you wanted it to say. Yeah. I mean, and and I'll tell you, you know, so my position, I'm very fortunate in the fact that when I first was brought on board, right, to to lead this program, 
I basically set the ground rules about how the program was going to be executed and the and the access and to the leadership that I needed. So I'm plugged into the highest levels of the leadership of the organization. So they know when something comes from John, they 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 recognize it. So you know, for for the folks that are embedded down, you know, lower in organizations and things like that, I mean, it really comes down to how are you, what value are is, is the information that you're gathering and working through? How's that value being perceived as you continue to move it up through the organization? I mean, all right, I mean, if if it's impactful information, you know, then essentially, then I then it obviously resonates to the fort where it, it's going to provide more value to the organization. So I would look at it essentially trying to evaluate the information that you're presenting to make sure that it does address, you know, the company, the risks associated with that, the value proposition associated with that. That's, that's kind of the way I see it. I mean, you, you have to be able to kind of show your value and, and, and I have to do this every day, even though I still have great executive support on a daily basis, doesn't mean I, ha- I don't have to show that value every day. And it, 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 it's something you have to keep every single day. You have to keep earning your stripes. Right. Right. But the but the idea is that it's just continually being able to take whatever you're working working through working information and being able to package it up so that it resonates with your leadership team as being perceived as a value. So understanding what drives them and what motivates them and and how they perceive and how they see value in things is really how you're going to want to be able to present your your information. You, you kind of have to do your homework. You do. And part of oh. that networking that we talked about earlier on, get to know people and get to understand all that. Even if you are writing these messages and they're, for the most part, being ignored. <laughs> one of the things, you know, yeah, I mean, one of the things that that I tell business continuity professionals, and they look at me like, "What? Are you crazy?" <laughs> they have the biz, they have the best job in the organization. They don't even realize it because you have access in this role. I have access to everybody in this organization, and that goes all the way up to my CEO, all the way down to any of our any of our folks that are in our sales or our drivers or, or our merchandisers or anybody in this organization. And that's huge. That's incredible because I can learn anything about this organization that I want to. I can go to anywhere I want to go to, be able to try to find information. Because if I can do that, guess what? I can pick up a lot of places where I can understand value. The more relationships I have, the more I can understand what the value proposition for this or for our for what business content you can provide to this organization. And that's I need to be able to take that and be able to present that and use that as part of my driving force behind the momentum of my program. Uh, I remember it took me a long time when I first got started um, to even just have the confidence to be able to do those kind of things and present information to executives that they would understand. And uh, it got to a point after you know years of complaining of not getting that message suddenly i was walking down the hallway and the executive uh, vp saw me coming down the hallway and just kind of looked and goes everything okay today i said yep you're safe for another day and he goes good keep up the good work you know it's like oh i I guess you've been paying attention to these things (laughs) but it took a while to get there it it does i mean nobody ever said business continuity was hard to be honest with you uh, I mean, you know, it was easy associated with that. But the idea is that it's not rocket science. It really isn't. Uh, and, and so I just want to make sure everybody understands the fact that, you know, part of part of being hard is sometimes it's you're you're keeping it amongst yourself and trying to, but you need to, you know, one of the one of the ways that we do it is associated with being able to, you know, essentially establish that village of it's not only me talking about business continuity, it's about a whole bunch of other people as well. Because not only that is that's always that's always also my knowledge base for information, but it's also another voice for the program. On that note, we've come to the end of our first segment. We are talking about executive support and buy-in, and we're talking today with John Luisi, and we will be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. 
Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fullick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullen. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. Today we are talking with John Luisi about executive support and uh, buy-in. John, great first segment. Lots of good information in there. Um, I do have a question uh, for you with regards to uh, people that uh, you know, prior to COVID or just as COVID hit were kind of let go, and now it's happening again. We brought people back in to do our business continuity and resilience programs. And now executives seem to already be forgetting about COVID and letting people go again. So why does that keep happening? There, there just seems to be this wave. Well, at the beginning of COVID, and this was really you know, upsetting for me to see that there were so many people in the industry that had lost their, their jobs at the beginning of COVID. And, and, and I attribute that to something very basic about the fact is that they – they or their programs were not perceived as being able as leaders for that type of situation, right? Mm. Associated with being able to say, hey, we have this pandemic here. And, but they were, it was never thought of that, hey, this is a business continuity issue. And we, so we need to, you know, we need to focus our efforts on business continuity. So I'll give you the exact thing that happened to me for COVID. When COVID, I, I'll never forget where I was standing and my boss said it to me. And he said, John, he says, and this was in like in March of 2020, he said, okay, John, we got this. COVID got you. You have it. Tell me what you need to be successful with this. This company now works for you. What do you need associated with being able to get us through this situation? There was never a doubt that business continuity was going to run that program associated with that. It was always, okay, this is a business continuity issue. This is your shoulders, John. Tell me what you need to be successful with this. And for the next 750 straight days, executive support aligned completely around being able to manage this as a business continuity issue. It didn't become an HR issue. It didn't become a safety issue. It became a business continuity issue. Yes, they were part of that program. They were part of the execution of that. But the program for for COVID incident response was clearly led by business continuity. And there was never a doubt about that. So now you, you you get into COVID now and then companies realize, oh, my gosh, we really need someone to manage this situation. Right. And as a result, a lot of business continuity professionals were hired during that time period. Right. And they were hired probably at a higher dollar amount associated with that because it was there was there was this bubble associated with the fact that, that, you know, companies were desperate to bring in people to try to help them manage through this business interruption you know, process uh, situation. Right. And then what happened after that, when COVID started to wind down, a lot of those people unfortunately lost their jobs. And there was a good reason for that because they weren't able to demonstrate the value. The fact is, is that COVID was a huge opportunity for business continuity professionals to really shine. 
and really be able to take their programs to the next level and being able to leverage that type of situation. And we, we need as continuity professionals, we need to leverage any type of situation. Like that's a worldwide pandemic that affected everybody that affected your work, your home, everything that our, our lives were changed by that. And if, if, if our programs are still in the same place they were before COVID, that's a problem because you should have been able to use that uh, opportunity of that event to be able to launch your program to the next generation. And because of the fact that business, and that was a central business continuity issue. And as a result, you know, a lot of those people that kind of kind of got hired associated with that at that bubble, they lost their opportunity because what happened was is that they became expendable because they really didn't leverage that. And companies went back to kind of sort of thinking where they were before. And it's like, hey, do I really need this person and that type of thing? And those people that were hired during that time period had a great opportunity to be able to kind of demonstrate and take charge and be able to run these programs, being able to demonstrate value. And unfortunately, they didn't be able to do that. And as a result, a lot of them lost their opportunities, which was very, very sad. I mean, I talked to a number of them because I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking to hire some folks here for, for my program. But it's, it's really kind of a sad story. But the whole idea is that, you know, for us, from a lessons learned perspective, when there's an opportunity or as an event that occurs, we need to be able to take advantage and show our value. That could be September 11th. That could be the banking crisis that happened a number of, you know, back in the late 2000, 2008, 2009. That could be COVID. That could be anything that happens to us in our individual companies. I've had in our, in our organization, I've had a tornado hit one of my facilities that had to respond to that type of a situation, right? Back in 2017, I had four hurricanes, an active shooter, and a and a and a and a wildfire situation happened in a six week period. Wow! So all of those things are are situations that we need to be able to leverage to be able to try to build and execute our programs off of to demonstrate our value. So, um, so I was also thinking there as as you were talking the um, when people were let go too, and when COVID even started. A lot of organizations fought for who was in control of managing COVID as well. And business continuity, it seemed, because it doesn't have a, a proper home, it seems to be somewhere different in many organizations. Right. People like HR would take over or because there was so much IT change, IT, IT started to manage it. And I know a few people that started to do it. Sure. Right. Um, it, could that have been part of the reason? Because we we don't have an established proper home or we we have different things going on in business continuity you know one size does not fit all but well, yet setting up a server or responding to a you know a server incident is the same wherever you go so it gets hard to to uh, understand where we fit in well the whole the whole idea you know especially for covid was that, you know the decision to lead a program in this particular situation can't be made on the game day when it happens right yeah all all the work leading up to the fact that you know this organization recognized the fact that this became a business continuity issue all that homework was done years before so as soon as that event occurred it was it was clear where this was going to fall so that, you know understanding the the responsibilities of the program and the capabilities of the program and what what value it delivered to the organization it was an easy decision for my boss to say, okay, John, this is yours. You run with it, right? So yeah. so it's not just something that you can rely upon or or should be made. You know, it's all it's all that pre-planning, it's all that work, it's all it's all that foundational work that you've done, you know, in the in the in the time period prior to that event occurring, which makes it the obvious choice, the obvious place. Yes, this is squarely a business continuity issue. So now, you know, let's let's support that program as far as you know, as far as going, you know, managing this particular event. So that's that's the way it has to be. As far as you know, as far as finding a home, I mean, you know, different organizations, you know, see risk management in different and different different lenses associated with mm -hmm. that. So, um, I've I've seen it in different different places. I've seen it in IT, as you know. I've seen it in in the CFO's office associated with that. There's there's been direct reports to the CFO, uh, CEO associated with that. So, I mean, every organization. You know, designs their org chart, org chart and org structure associated with you know what works for them. But the idea is that no matter where you're placed, it doesn't change what you have to deliver from a value proposition, right? right? And right. and and so so you know it's, you still have the same fundamental things that you're trying to get accomplished because you know it's not about where you report to; it's really about what value you're delivering and, and being being staying true to that associated with that and staying true to what exactly what the mission of the of the continuity program is. Right. 
So let's change gears a little bit. We've talked a lot about us showing value and uh, for uh, paraphrasing everything, pushing information out and getting people to understand our value. How do we incorporate executives into our program so that they are trained? Um, you know, there, there, there are some things, and I'm kind of experiencing it right now with a client, that we need our employees to do this. We need our employees to know this and know how to do that and figure this out and have the ability to do that. And then I asked the question, well, what are you guys doing? Like to the executives, I said, do you know what you're doing? So how do you bring them into it? Because, uh, you know, you can't assume that just because you're the president, you know, uh, Jane, that doesn't mean you know what you need to do. Right. I mean, bringing them into, I mean, exercises is kind of like the easiest way of doing that and being able to make sure that you you schedule, you know, meaningful exercises with your leadership teams. And and one of the things that 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 I've seen with a lot of continuity professionals, they'll try to schedule an exercise and they'll do this for like six months. I mean, I could put on a Broadway play in less amount of time, right? <laughs> so the idea is that um, what we do, we have these things called rapid fire exercises. And what they basically are is just kind of, hey, let's sit there, let's sit, let's let's have lunch, let's bring in some sandwiches, and for an hour we're just going to throw some scenarios on the table. Let's talk through it. Let's see what we would do. I mean, it's and 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 folks love it. They love because it's you know it's kind of a short term thing. It's kind of a fun type of a thing, but yet it's a learning experience. And one of the things that business continuity professionals need to learn is the fact is that everything that they do is a learning is a learning opportunity to present you, you know, whether it's leadership or any other person that you're working with in your organization, take advantage of that, take advantage of every single interaction to be able to try to teach somebody something about your program. Right. So, you know, we spent a lot of time on being able to send out information. Like I said, I, I, I did the, you know, the hurricane, the preparedness briefing for the entire, all the executives in the entire organization, beautiful PowerPoint presentation, talk to about it and those type of things. Those are the things that, you know, you want to keep, you know, keep fresh in their mind. But essentially, you know, you're always trying to, you know, seek those teaching moments and being able to provide information that they, you know, news that they could use, right, associated with that, as well as going back to what I was telling you about before, about, you know, when stuff happens in the in, in the world and being able to take advantage of that. And, hey, what would we do? What would we do? I mean, that's a training exercise, believe it or not. You know, that, that's actually for me to say, you know, okay, well, this warehouse had this situation. They were out of, they were out of production or anything else like that. They got hit by a tornado. What did they do? Okay, that's a, that's a learning exercise for me to be able to kind of opportunity to say to them, hey, this is what we would do. And we need to take advantage of all of those things. They're all around us. And, you know, every day stuff's happening in the world. And, you know, we have more opportunity to be able to, you know, to, to see that information now, more visibility than it's ever been before, right, with the, hmm. with the availability of news and information. So, you know, us being able to, you know, take advantage of even the littlest thing is to try to use that as a teaching moment is, a way, is another way to engage people in their program. But it also helps you try to train, hey, what our protocols would be given this situation would occur to us. So, I, I remember an instance uh, years ago, we had a, uh, a senior vice president in technology. Um, we had him kick off the actual exercise that we had planned and, and organized. Um, and he goes, well, why do you need me to do it? And so because in your own plan your own expectations that you said you would be the one declaring the disaster so you're we gave him an id to the notification application uh we taught him how to use it <laughs> and he said okay he just told a couple of us somewhere between i forget what it is now but i'll just say 11 and 1 um i'm going to send this note out now that he knew how to do it he goes is that okay and we said yeah sure and when it went out people were just is this real just what yeah, wow, you know, and he was he was thrilled. He goes, This is fun. I like this. <laughs> you know. So he when we did it the next year, he goes, you know, I'm sending out messages and uh do stuff. He wanted to get more involved because even though we're talking we're having disasters and we're simulating disasters, he was enjoying it. He felt he was learning and being a part of that. I mean, you know, the you know, for, for me the way I you know with the executives is the fact is that, you know. I, I try to prepare them for that moment, associate that because, you know, obviously in a, in a major situation, the spotlight is on the, on the sweet, sweet, the, the executive mm -hmm. leadership team about what, 
you know, what we need to do associated with that in that situation. How, what decisions do we need to make? And, you know, so me and my role, I spent a lot of time starting trying to sit on the other side of the table. What does that person need to hear from me that I can help so I can help them through that situation? So when you look at like the plans that I develop and I write and things like that with my team, it's very much about not me sitting here as a business continuity professional. It's about me sitting on the other side of the table. What do I need to execute my business? And yeah. you, so you have to kind of take yourself out of your role and sit on the other side of the table and kind of strip away everything you know about business continuity and say, okay, I'm the business person responsible for operations of one of our warehouses. What do I need to succeed? How do I need to get to, what do I need? What information, what, what planning do I need in place to be able to do that? And that's an important part of our role is to be able to kind of step outside of what we know from business continuity because we bring a whole bunch of assumptions with us. Right. And what we want to do is be able to kind of be the business person there and live that life and, and, and understand exactly how the plan should actually be executed based off of what their perspective is. Well, you bring up an interesting point there about assumptions. Assumptions are everywhere on every side, regardless of what part of the table you're at. How do you go about identifying those so that you can get everybody to understand the value of business continuity? get everyone support the buy-in and get everyone on the same page because you and I could work together and I'm assuming you're doing a simple task. You're assuming I'm doing it, but we never know. Right. You know, it's essentially being able to kind of make sure that, you know, when you develop any type of plan or any type of thing that, that you kind of essentially make sure everybody's roles and responsibilities are very clear. So again, you know, in our program, we spend a lot of time. If you look at any of my plans, you will see that you know we we, we divide our plans into phases of, of an event occurs right so like a hurricane for us occurs in six different phases right so I live in Florida so it's obviously a, a planned event right but it goes from you know preparation you know activation monitoring activation preparation response recovery and resumption right so throwing out all those phases every single part of the organization you know what does hr have to do what does operations have to do so it's very very clearly articulated so there isn't any what i would call who's assuming anybody's doing what it's very clearly articulated associated with what you know and this way when we do exercises everybody can ask those questions associated with that hey who's doing this who's doing this i mean we make sure that we update our plans with that but the idea is that the the very very you know, clarity amongst roles and responsibility is a really big part of making sure that you can minimize your assumptions about who's doing what, so you make sure that there's no gaps associated with your responsible plans. I guess having that all clarified too, as part of your messaging to executives, is we we are proactively identifying gaps. We are assigning all these roles and responsibilities, and we're not just. I'm not just saying John ha is doing this, but I'm actually conversing with John and John's clarifying exactly what that role is as well. Like it's it's give and take, it, it's collaboration to really build and understand that. So that give, builds confidence within executives, correct? Right. So, so again, this goes back to my comment about the village. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is another part of me engaging with my with my with my village associated being able to make sure. Not only are we developing our plans, but they understand what their swim lane is, what their role and responsibility is, given this type of situation, this, this type of circumstances, and then understanding from them, hey, what else do you need from HR? What else do you need from operations to be able to make sure you're successful? So it's that engagement, that dialogue that helps not only you know make sure you have more effective and integrated plans, but it also creates ambassadors for your program because now more people are talking to each other. I was going to ask you, what are some tips we could start doing? But I think you've covered quite a few of them and, and some good things, and I hope people have been listening. So I'm going to ask you a different question. What are the things we should stop doing if we uh, want support and buy-in? You know, I, again, I, 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 it goes back to that, you know, where we were, you know, back to the old September 11th days where we, we're still very much in an administrative role. And, and a lot of business continuity people are thought of as administrative, unfortunately, right? Yeah. And it's very much around compliance. It's around checking a box. It's about, hey, fill out this template and get it back to me. Um, you know, they're collecting data. They're not in. They're not interpreting the data. I mean, it's it's those are the things that that are you know when you look at you know what how programs are 
in some way, shape, or form, they're still kind of antiquated in, in their in their in their in their execution associated with that, and that doesn't really represent what you know the way programs need to be executed. Now we're we're just in a different world now, and you know, again, programs need to be based off of you know, first of all, they need to demonstrate progress, and a lot of a lot of programs don't have an agenda. They don't even have a roadmap or a timeline because one of the things that when I talk to leaders in other companies as well, it's like, John, I just don't know where the program is. I know I got a program. I just have no idea what progress, what maturity, what we can handle, what what our you know what our tolerance is associated with that. So there, so there, there needs to be a, what I would call a better communication of understanding as far as here where we are in this continuum associated with continuity of continuity and maturity. Right? If you look at the way our plans are developed here. We have a maturity scale from one to ten. I could tell you exactly where any individual plan is based on a, a maturity scale, one to ten. That, I mean, that's from day of inception, all the way up to the, to the point where that becomes an operational part of our, our, our organization. And it's actually what do we call institutional? In other words, if 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 something is institutional, that means it's in our DNA. That's like the ultimate uh, the ultimate goal for us, right? Associated yeah. with what we try to develop, right? So. You know, it's it's those type of things. It's also making sure that you know plans are up to date and accurate. I mean, it sounds so, sounds so fundamental, but nothing will turn off a bunch of executives if you show up in a in a plan or a meeting and and the phone numbers are wrong or the points of contact or this person doesn't work here anymore. Or we don't do that anymore, or we don't have that system anymore. Nothing turns people off more than than inaccurate plans. And it and guess what? It's our responsibility to make sure that those things are accurate. That 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 responsibility falls upon us at the end of the day, right? Um, making things simplified and executable, you know, you can have, you know, the, the days of a hundred, hundred page plan for something are over associated with that hundred page that nobody's going to read it. The idea is that you want to try to make them readable, actionable. Or if you look at my plan, they're all color coded. I got all kinds of icons. So the, the HR person knows exactly, he just goes to the color pink and he sees his icon. He knows exactly what he has to do. He doesn't have to read through everything else. He can figure out exactly just by looking at the pink, pink sections. That's an HR section. Yeah. My blue section, my navy blue section. That's good. That's my IT section. So it's it's things like that that can be very engaging. What I find what I find executives love is eye candy. So when you divide, when design your plans, your reports, your presentations, eye candy is a big thing associated with being able to get engagement for your program, right? It's also having plans in a central place, central ma- centralized management. It's also, hey, we live in a mobile world now. So can I get at that information on my phone? I'm not sitting at my desk all day long. So if I had to respond to a situation and be aware of something, can you communicate to me what's going on associated with that event using my mobile device? So being able to leverage technology is another big part of being able to you know, have your program uh, adapted and being able to be something. And then again, you know, Making sure that you're in the situational awareness. I mean, you, you, you know, we have to be able to be the person uh, associated with being able to make sure, our, or you know, we've got their back, and we're aware of such situations that are happening because we need to be proactive about the fact that hey, something just happened. What do I need to start doing so I can communicate that to my executives? They, they have that expectations associated with with our role and responsibility. So. You know, it's funny. There's a whole bunch of business continuity people out there that say, "Well, you know, if I don't know about it, I don't, I don't have to do anything about it." And and, and if if that's their if that's their you know mantra, I would say go get another job. To be honest with you, because that you're you, this, you're not cut out for what we're what we're trying to do here. And and no wonder why you're not getting executive support. Yeah. There you go. So. We have two minutes left. Do you want to take one minute for any final thought or comment you'd like to convey that maybe we haven't touched on yet? Well, I think that, um, you know, business continuity, if you're not passionate about this, you're in the wrong role, you're in the wrong the wrong position. I mean, you have to really be absolutely passionate about what we do. And um, the idea is that you want to make sure you define what your goals are for executive support. It's not something that you just get because you're, you're, you have to earn it every single day, even though I have great executive support. I have to, you know, work through that every single day and keep my, my folks engaged, associated with that. Again, role play. How if you're the executives, how would you want to present the program to be presented to you? You know, sit on the other side of the table. I think that's a really, really important thing for for business continuity folks to do. Uh, take advantage of every opportunity to learn the business. You know, learn the metrics of the business, the dynamics of the business. Um, um, build a technology platform. You got to have technology in this day and age. You have to be able to kind of automate your processes. The days of managing business continuity on Word and Excel are gone. 
So you need to be able to look at tools and technologies that can help you automate your program because there's just too many things. There's too many risks. There's too many interdependencies. Our business is more complex than ever been before. So as a result, you know, you need tools and technology to help you be able to manage through that complexity, right? Um, make sure you define, engage your village. You know, who are those people that are part of your part of your circle, your inner circle associated with that, who, who are your trusted business partners that can help you execute program, but not only that, become an ambassador for your program, right? Um, establish meaningful metrics. Hey, you know, talk to your executives about what, what essentially drives them. What, how do they perceive value your program? And then design metrics around that so you can try to help show that progress associated with your program. Um, mm-hmm. Simplify your approach you know, associated with your plans and things like that. Leverage events. When you see events that are occur out in the, in the world, being able to kind of take those and kind of do like a, what would we do with those situations? And then the other thing is just, you know, you have, like, you know, you're sitting in the best chair in your organization, have the ability to purview to look at the entire business, the entire, all the processes of the organization. So take advantage of that view and be able to kind of leverage it to be able to kind of help and promote your program. So, John, Great chatting with you. I hope people really paid attention to some of the things that you conveyed with us today. I think there's some secret nuggets in there that everyone can take away and make their that challenge of trying to get that support and buy-in. They can make it. I think they can do it if they really focus and take to uh, put into practice some of the things that you told us about today. I appreciate it, Alex. Thank you very much for inviting me. Absolutely. I hope hope you have me back there in the future. We could talk about some other topics as well. So, yeah, look forward to it. Be careful because I will will take you up on that. You are. (laughs) It's a pleasure for me to to support you any day, anytime. Let me know. Well, great having you here, John. Thank you so much for sharing your time and expertise with us today. I do greatly appreciate it. And everybody watching and listening, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you here next week.